This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Mr. District Attorney was created, written, and directed by former law student Ed Byron. The series was inspired by the early years of New York Governor Thomas E. Dewey. It was Dewey's public war against racketeering, which led to his election as governor. Phillips H. Lord, creator of Gangbusters, helped to develop the concept and coined the title. Byron lent an air of accuracy and immediacy to his scripts, through close study of criminal statistics, a library of criminology texts, followed by the newspapers, and even going around rough bars to gain tips, background, and other color from crooks and police alike. His technique sometimes enabled Byron to predict major crime waves before the news broke. Produced through its run in New York City, the series began as a 15-minute serial, becoming a half-an-hour self-contained series three months later as a summer replacement for The Bob Hope Show, beginning June 27th of 1939. And during 1942, uh, Mr. District Attorney began battling Nazis, leading to conflicts with the FBI when the scripts reflected life too closely. And now the episode, The Bridal Path Murders. Mr. District Attorney, starring David Bryan. Mr. District Attorney, champion of the people, defender of truth, guardian of our fundamental rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it shall be my duty as district attorney not only to prosecute to the limit of the law all persons accused of crimes perpetrated within this county, but to defend with equal vigor the rights and privileges of all its citizens. star David Bryan as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. A modern gambling ring with its well-organized system of payoffs can be a tough nut for a district attorney to crack. But like little Davy Calero, syndicate enforcer for a big-time policy wheel and book operator, someone in the ring eventually makes the mistake of arousing unfavorable public opinion. Early one overcast Sunday morning, a big coupe rolls into the western entrance to a wooded park. A stunning blonde is driving. Bridal path crosses the road just up ahead, Nicky. We'll wait here. Better put on gloves for this job. Stay 
Baby, killing a judge ain't smart. I don't like it. All right, you already said that. If I knew it was this kind of job, I wouldn't have come along. Don't touch that gun. Here, I'll take it. Only going to be one set of prints on this gun when the cops find it. You're going to hang it on Louis? Any objection? The cops will remember how a sawed-off Bitsy used to be Louis' trademark. And they'll remember how he blew his top when Judge Power sentenced him. Told the judge he'd look him up when he got out. There's the judge now. Start her up, baby. Davy, I tell you, this is no... Stop that motor. Davy! Now, quick! Up by that crossing. Near her, baby. Hold it like that. This is the last ride his honor will ever take. Now, get out of here, fast! If the boys picked up Louis on schedule, we'll get his prints on this gun and I... Hey, look out! The curb! Just don't tell us what we're driving. That's a fresh-painted curb. You hurt me, David. And I'm scared. Morning, Chief. Too bad to call you out on Sunday. Yeah, and goes along with the job, Harrington. Need all this area roped off? Well, there's skid marks and a tire curb rub over there. Yeah, good enough. Judge Tower, eh? Yeah. Took the body in about five minutes ago. The medical examiner thinks it was a shotgun job. Let you know later. Good friend of mine, Judge. Fine man. Didn't make him any better. Dirty, lousy rats. Gang job, huh? I don't know, Harrington. Never pays to jump to conclusions. But I do know that no man was more hated and feared by the mobs. He knew that, but he wouldn't have a bodyguard. You'd think he'd have seen the handwriting on the wall, Chief. Yeah, especially with Jiggs Minetti held in protective custody and bound over to the grand jury. Yeah, what you got on it? I go along with the police. They think Louis Cato did the job. And it could be. Who found the judge? Some people named McDonald's. Man and wife on their way to church. You talk with them? Yeah. Got their address. They both heard two shots at the time. They thought it was a truck backfiring, and they just kept driving along. And they saw the judge lying at the edge of the road, uh, right over there. What time was this? Mm, 8.30, about a half hour ago. No other witnesses? No, not yet anyway. McDonald said that just before they got here, they passed a car going in the other direction. Big coupe or sedan, not sure which. Uh, black. You want the lab crew on those skid marks, Chief? Uh-huh. Also on that curb. You start a checkup on service stations and garages in this area. From the looks, some of that red paint rubbed off on the tire. Oh, uh, I didn't call Miss Miller. Didn't know whether you'd need her or not. Oh, we'll get along. Let's not interrupt her day of rest. I'll be at the office in about an hour, Harrington. After I get the medical examiner's report, I'm going to question Jiggs Minetti. God, if we talk, we might drop a lead, though. Chief, I still think this job was signed. Well, who signed it? The hood the police have the APB out for. Louis Cato.
Miller. Good morning, Mr. Garrett. Oh, I didn't expect. Uh, I mean, I told Harrington not to call you. He didn't. I heard the radio report. I knew you'd be flooded with calls. I found this note for Harrington. Well, thanks. He's over with the police, searching Louis Cato's room. All kinds of messages have been coming in for you, Mr. Garrett. Here's the list of calls. Well, look who's here. Changed your mind, ain't she? No, no, she came in on her own accord. Well, how about that? Beats all how she brightens this place up. Oh, aren't you sweet, Harrington? I got your note. Find anything over there? Plenty. Exhibit A, an old sawed-off shotgun in Cato's room closet. Half a dozen shells. And that's the murder weapon. Louis's not as smart as I thought. Now, did you find anything else? Yeah, this snapshot. Found it in a coat pocket, same closet. Uh, nifty little doll, huh? Mm, not bad. Taken some time ago, I'd say. What's the style of that dress, Miss Miller? Oh, about ten years ago, ten or twelve. Think she looks like a blonde? Well, ask Louie if and when he's picked up. Let's give McDonald a look at this snapshot, Harrington. Took the words right out of my mouth, Chief. Now, let's go. Oh, uh, Miss Miller. Yes? Glad you came in. I call that fast work, Chief. It's only four o'clock, and they just brought Louis Cato in here to headquarters. Did you tell him we'd be in Captain Donovan's office? Yep. They'll have him in here in a minute. You ought to know more about this snapshot than your man McDonald did, Harrington. Well, that car was going pretty fast. And... Yeah, sure, I know. Here's your man, Mr. Garrett. Thanks, Rooney. Wait outside, please. Yes, sir. Sit down, Louis. That chair. Smoke? Never mind. So they picked you up across the river. Yeah. At Harriman Square, Chief. Don't you get away with it, eh? I don't know what you're talking about. The murder of Judge Tower. Look, I didn't have nothing to do with it. Got an alibi? Now, how could I? They rigged it against me. You can't have an alibi when it's rigged against you. Who rigged it? I don't know. If you didn't get the judge, why did you duck out, Louis? I got nothing more to say. Take a look at this snapshot, Louis. We're going to call on her next. Hey, where'd you get this? You know her? Now, look, you guys let her alone, you see? She's done nothing about this. You keep away from her. What's her name, Louis? Never mind. We can find out easily enough. If you promise to leave her alone, I'll tell you. No promises. We'll have Captain Donovan's boys find her. Okay. Okay, I'll tell you. Her name is Nikki Brendan. But if you think she knows something about that job, you're crazy. Now, look. I've been nice. I told your name. You let her alone, huh? All right, Rooney. Take him away. Yes, sir. Hey, can I keep this picture? Sorry, Louis. We may need it. Harrington, get over across the river and talk to the arresting officer. Find somebody else in the square if you can who saw Louie. Right, Chief. Uh, what about this dame? I'm going to have her traced. Get on the job, Harrington. Fast. District Attorney's Office. Good morning, Captain. No, he's not yet. Oh, you bet I will. Just let me get a pencil. All right. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Yes. I got it. Oh, that's a switch. So thank you, Captain. Good morning, Mr. Garrett. Good morning, Miss Miller. How are you today? Fine, thanks. Are anything yet? He's done a ballistics. Captain Donovan just phoned about Nikki Brendan. I'd better read my notes to you during shorthand. All right. 31 years old, originally from Albany. One charge of shoplifting there, now Uh Here's one for the book, Mr. Garrett. She races jalopies there. Hmm. What else? He was a girlfriend of Louis Cato until he went to prison, since then a friend of little Davy Caleros. That's all I have. Good morning, Harrington. Morning, Chief. Hey, here's the photo blow-ups from the lab. Louis Cato's fingerprints. Prints taken from gun stock. And set. No prints on the forestock or the barrels. They didn't give me anything on that. Miss Miller, call the lab. Tell them I want to blow up on the exact position of those fingerprints on that gun. Yes, sir. Now, Harrington, let's go talk to a blonde. Anytime, Chief. Chief. Yeah. Cost money to live in one of these apartments. Who is it? District Attorney. Open the door, please. You Nikki Brandon? Yeah. Did you say District Attorney? And Assistant. Mind if we come in? Look, Chief, on the map. Mug shot of Calero. <laughs> Must have been taken in the show up line. Don't get smart. All right, what is it? I'll be brief, Nikki. Why did Louie get Judge Tower? Who? Louie Cato. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Uh, we heard a woman was driving the getaway car. How about it? Well, don't talk to me. There's lots of women in this town. Go talk to some of them. They might know. I don't. Well, well. Hiya, Davy. Didn't know you had company, Davy. Invited themselves in. They can leave any time. How's the syndicate doing, Davy? What syndicate? <laughs> you kidding? We thought Nicky might know the trigger men on the park job. You know, Davy. Judge Tower. Why would she know? Maybe you know. Yeah, I do. What? This extra's just out. Look at that headline. Ex-con confesses Tower murder. Cato admits guilt. How do you like that? Anything else you guys want to know? Keep in touch with us, Davy. There might be. And now, back to David Bryan, starring as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. Louis Cato was paroled from prison. The word was that he was going straight. But because he threatened Judge Tower after being sentenced some years before, Louis was arrested shortly after the judge was murdered. Although all the evidence pointed to Louis, I believed his story that he'd been rigged or framed. But while I was questioning Nikki Brendan, his one-time mall, in walked her current boyfriend, little Davy Calero. 
with an extra edition that told of Louis' confession. Now, back at the office. There's a tape of Louis Cato's confession in your office, Mr. Garrett. Captain Donovan sent it over. Then we'd better hear it, huh? Yep. Now, hold any calls that aren't important. Yes, sir. Put it on, Hyman. Right away, Chief. Miss Miller? Yes? How soon will the lab have those new fingerprint blow-ups up here? Well, they should be here soon, Mr. Garrett. Call them again. I want it rushed. Yes, sir. Are you ready, Chief? Yeah. Here she goes. All right, Louis. Uh, my name is Louis Cato. I killed Judge Tower. I say this of my own free will, under no coer coer coercion. No coercion. I killed him with a shotgun in the park. I was hiding in the bushes. When he rode his horse past where I was, I fired both barrels. Then I put the shotgun into my coat. I walked back to my room. That is all. Confession of Louis Cato at police headquarters on the date of August 9th. Shut it off. So, he walked back to his room. That means he must have walked to the park. What do you make of it, Chief? It's so much baloney. I'll buy that. Look, Harrington, we're going to bear down. I want every service station and garage for a mile around the park area checked. Will do, Chief. Uh, but those skid marks and curb rubs, really... Just could have been made by a Sunday driver. We'll find out. And I want Davy Calero tailed. Spot the station where he has his car serviced. Get me a full report on his car. Where he goes, what he does, whom he talks to. The works. <laughs> you are bearing down. Now, don't kid yourself, Harrington. There's plenty more to this than a punk triggerman making good a threat. The syndicate's behind it. If we can trap that gang of rats, we're going to do it. Uh... Yeah? Those new blow-ups are here, Mr. Garrett. No, I'll be right out. If you want me within the next hour, Harrington, I'll be over at the city jail. I'm going to talk to Louie again. I'll be just a minute, Hagan. Seem natural to be back in, Louie? Never mind. Well, this is a tougher rap than holding up a supermarket. If you think I'm going to talk, you're wrong. I'll do most of the talking. That shotgun the police found in your room closet. Was that the one you used? Yeah. Show me how you picked up the gun when you shot the judge. What do you mean, how did I pick it up? By the barrel? By the stock? I don't know. I just picked it up. With one hand? No, with both hands. But what's this all about? You were holding it upside down when you fired, weren't you? Who's going to fire a gun upside down? Then show me how you were holding it. Never mind, never mind. I said show me, Louis. <sighs> hey, why don't you leave me alone? According to the one set of fingerprints on that gun, you were holding it upside down. You're crazy. I'll make a guess, Louis. That mobster who wanted your fingerprints on that gun was in such a hurry, he didn't notice he handed it to you upside down. Right? No. No. You didn't kill Judge Tarr. Look, I did. I did. I swear I did. What are you trying to do? Keep you out of the hot seat, Louie. Unless you talk out of the right side, 
The odds are 101 against you. You talked to Louie again, Chief? Oh, not since the other day. Donovan questioned him this morning. My request. Couldn't shake his story. Louie says he killed the judge and then clams up. Well, maybe we'll find something at this garage. We most there? Yeah, around the next corner. Garage and tire recap shot. Got overlooked in the first checkup. You spotted it this noon? Yeah, mostly by luck. Drove in for gasoline. Boss was out to lunch. The kid said sure he knew my pal, Davy Calero. Said Davy tipped him five bucks for putting on four new tires last Monday. Yeah, it might be it, Harrington. Kid didn't know what the boss had done with the old set. Oh, there's the place, Chief. Anderson's. Drive right up in. I didn't see the lab report. Were there any tire specs on the curb? Yes, white sidewalls. Are you Anderson? That's right. What can I do for you? A couple of minutes of your time. I'm the district attorney. Here's my identification. Uh-oh. <laughs> what have I done that's wrong? As far as I know, nothing. Is Davy Calero a customer of yours? Yeah. Yeah, he comes in here. Regular customer? Yeah, we service his car. He lives just off the boulevard over there. What does he drive? The car's over in the wash rack now. Uh, that big coupe. I'll go look it over, Chief. All right. Understand Calero had four new tires put on last Monday. Oh, that's right. Did he buy them here? Um, yeah. Yeah, he bought them here. Say, I hope it's okay to tell you all this. You know, he's a good customer. I don't want to... Wouldn't it be okay if you didn't? Oh, no offense, mister. You got the other tires? Yeah, I, I guess so. Don't you know? Yeah, we get a lot of them. Hard to keep track of all of them. Maybe we already recapped them. We'll take a look in the shop. Do you wash tires before you recap them? That's right. We do here. We do a good job. Solution? That's right. My own formula. Cleans off dirt, stains, just like that. Paint too? Yeah, sure. You got a white side wall? You ought to try my formula, mister. Let's see. That'd be, uh... 760, 15, uh, I'll take a look. Well, that could be the car, Chief. You want the help of the lab? No, not yet, Harrington. Maybe later. I got the information on it. Here they are, mister. All recap. Give you a good deal on it. There'll be no deal, Anderson. I'll see you don't lose anything, though. Have the lab crew pick them up, Harrington. Right. It's a long shot, but it's the only one we've got. No, a good restaurant out along the shore, baby. If we get some lunch by the ocean, maybe you'll feel better. Did they bring over the car? Anderson said he'd have it here by 2 o'clock. It's after 2 now. Well, I don't see it. Ah, those bums. They never get nothing done on time. Well, I'll go back up and call them. Now, we can walk to the garage, baby. Come on. You're always late. All right, all right. It ain't important. Anyway, it's got you talking again, baby. Last couple of days, I began to think you lost your voice. Davy, how do you figure it? Figure what? You know, Louis K.O. signed his name to that job. I told you a half dozen times, Nicky. Maybe he thinks the job was too well rigged against him. And if he takes the rap, the syndicate will get him a mouthpiece, get him out of the chair. I wonder. Okay, you'll figure it. You think Louis knows we was in on it? 
He's got an idea. He knows I'm the enforcer. Well, I mean, do you think... You think he knows I was in on it? What's the difference what he knows, baby? Now, live enough a little, will you? Come on, live enough. I can't, baby. It don't feel right. You're going out looking for trouble? Look, Louis signed it. That's all there is. Yeah, but those cops coming to my place... They have to make that job look good. We ain't got a thing to worry about. There's the car. The kid's still working on it. I hope you're right, baby. About not worrying. But there's another thing. Those tires. I wish you'd had them burn. When I scrape that I tell you, we're in the clear now. Shut up about it. Hey, Anderson, ain't you got any idea time? I'm sorry, Mr. Clary. Want to do a good polish job for you, too. Okay, okay. Always excuse. Come on, let's get going, baby. I want to take those other tires along, Davey. Put them in the truck. Listen, I... I ain't kidding. I mean it. Please. <sighs> okay. Bring them out, Anderson. The tires I turned in for these. They're not here, Mr. Clary. Sell them? Well, no. Uh, the police car came and picked them up. Oh? Well, get my car. And hurry. If she's wise to anything, Chief, she may not come to the door. And we'll get in. Open the door, Nikki. We know you're in there. I don't be in such a hurry. What do you want? Hey, quit shoving, will you? You've got no manners at all. Nikki, I understand you drove in jalopy races in Albany. Well, what if I did? You want a lot of them, too, they tell me. You're a good driver. Good enough to be on the syndicate payroll. I don't know what you're talking about. You'll find out right away, Blondie. And I can't understand you rubbing that curve, Nicky. That was a big mistake. Because the police lab crew found a couple of tiny specks of red paint left on the tire. The same paint that was on that curb. What are you trying to say? That you drove the getaway car from the murder of Judge Tower. That's a lie. I don't know anything about it. You were seen, Nicky. You were crying. I tell you, it's a lie. You got Louis Cato, he talked, he's a trigger man. I've checked Louis all along the line. He's straight. Only thing wrong is him doing a Galahad for a dame like you. Uh, he must be real dumb. Where's Davy? Uh, I don't know. Chief, she looked at the closet door. Oh, see. No, he ain't in there. Watch it. No, you're not. Get out, take me, copper. Put down the gun, Davy. Stand back. Back or I'll let you have it. You can't get away, Davy. Police are out in the corridor. They got the building surrounded, too. I told you to burn those tires, Shut up, baby. Stop. I should have gone back to Louis. should have gone back. I'll take it. There we are. Good work, Harrington. Okay, I'll go along. Put on your coat, Nicky. You're going along, too. It's the end of the road for both of you. the star of Mr. District Attorney, David Bryan, with a word about the program you have just heard. You may remember the case. Nicky talked. So did Jiggs Minetti. And we not only got all the goods on little Davy Calero, but we put enough of the syndicate big guns behind the bars to break the organization. Davy was convicted of murder in the first degree. Nicky got 20 years. When crime gets too big, it gets careless. Then the law takes over. Always. And now this is David Bryan inviting you to join us when we present our next case based on the facts of crime from the files of Mr. District Attorney. Mr. District Attorney was originated by Philip H. Lord.
Stay tuned for Our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Eve Arden to star in Our Miss Brooks in a show first aired in 1951. Our Miss Brooks, transcribed and starring Eve Arden. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks under the direction of Al Lewis. Well, many people enjoy the brisk, snappy weather of the winter season. But our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, is definitely anti-cold. In fact, at the last count, she was sleeping beneath 11 woolen blankets. I kept warm enough that way, but it posed quite a problem for my landlady. Yesterday, when she came in to wake me up, she couldn't find me. We solved that, though. Now when I go to bed, I slip a bookmark under the bottom blanket. <laughs> Last Friday at breakfast, I was complaining to Mrs. Davis about the temperature in the house. Now take this, dear. A nice steaming cup of coffee will warm you up in no time. Is it really hot? Piping hot. Here's your cup. Never mind the cup. Just pour it over me. <laughs> Look, Mrs. Davis, the days aren't so bad, but... Last night at 11.30, my room was absolutely freezing. You could hang meat in there. <laughs> Connie, wouldn't that mess up the wallpaper? <laughs> Besides, 11.30 seems awfully late for you to be up, Connie. You'd be a lot warmer if you got to bed earlier. I would have, but I had to finish some extra typing for Mr. Conklin. Our beloved principal has never been able to keep a secretary, you know. I know. I think it's a shame the way he takes advantage of you. This isn't school business he gives you, is it? No, most, mostly personal correspondence, reports and things. And what does Mr. Conklin give you for this work? An occasional curt nod. <laughs> well, if I were you, I'd refuse to do any more for him. In fact, when you bring him this batch today, you ought to put your foot down. I tried putting my foot down before, Mrs. Davis, but it just didn't work. Why? What did Mr. Conklin do? He stepped on it. Come in. Good morning, Mr. Conklin. I brought in those papers you had me type last night. Just put them on my desk, please. Hmm? What did you say? Perhaps you'd hear better if you'd remove those ridiculous earmuffs. What? They must have slipped down again. It's terribly chilly in school this morning, Mr. Conklin. Nonsense. It's just pleasantly brisk. Now, about these papers, I... Why, Miss Brooks, you're familiar with the rules of this institution. Why are you smoking in school? I'm not smoking. That's my breath. <laughs> Your breath? Yes, condensing in the pleasantly brisk air. <laughs> Mr. Conklin, are you sure there's enough coal in the furnace this morning? Well, of course. The janitor has been authorized to burn 37 lumps before noon. <laughs> but, sir, this is going to be an exceptionally cold day, and 37 lumps of coal just won't get the job done. Uh, perhaps you're right. I'll contact the furnace room. Hand me the phone, please. Here you are, sir. Osgood Conklin to maintenance. Osgood Conklin to maintenance. Fire lumps 38 and 39. Fire lumps 38 and 39. That is all. 
Ah, <laughs> oh, that should do it. Now, let's see those papers. Here they are, Mr. Conklin. I stayed up until 11.30 last night so I'd have them finished for you. Well, I'm not unmindful of your labors in my behalf, and I want you to know that your efforts will not go unrewarded. In fact, because of your fine spirit of cooperation, I have selected you as the one who will be permitted to type up my new report to the Board of Education. I'm sorry, Mr. Conklin, but teaching English is a full-time job for me, and I just can't assume any extra duties. But somebody's got to do it. Miss Enright just turned me down, too. As a matter of fact, she's the one who suggested you for this honor. Oh, she did, did she? Well, let uh, me you tell you... You shouldn't Mr. speak harshly of your fellow English teacher, Miss Brooks. After all, Miss Enright is quite fond of you. Fond of me? Oh, she must be to pass such a nice compliment about you this morning. She said she considered you one of her oldest friends. She did? <laughs> and then she said she likes you as well as some of her younger friends. <laughs> well, I can't force you to perform this trifling task for me, so you might as well run along to your classroom. Yes, sir, but as far as Miss Enright is concerned, careful, I would like careful, to... Careful, Miss Brooke. You're speaking of a teacher who may soon be head of the English department. What? The position is still open, you know, and for months now I've been grooming Miss Enright. Good. That should make her coat nice and shiny. <laughs> Are you inferring that Miss Enright is a horse? If the shoe fits, nail it on her. Pardon me, Mr. Boynton, but I've got a free period right now, and as I recall, so have you. Oh, that's right, Miss Brooks. Is there anything I can do for you? I'd love to. That is, uh... <laughs> the real reason I dropped in here was to get away from my own classroom for a while. Sometimes I wonder if all this effort is worth anything. If I couldn't expend all this time and energy in another direction. Say, making a pleasant home for some man. The way any normal woman does. Well, you're certainly normal, Miss Brooks. Your muscular structure's good. You have a well-shaped skull. <laughs> Good sound bones. And judging from your complexion, I should say your systolic circulatory system is A1. <laughs> you romantic fool, you. I wish I felt as well as your description, though. I've got a little headache from all the paperwork I've been doing. A headache? Would you like me to massage your temples a bit? That's the quickest you've ever caught on. <laughs> Please do, Mr. Boynton. All right. How does this feel? Just wonderful, Mr. Boynton. Anybody in here? Nobody but us guinea pigs. <laughs> well, it's Miss Enright. Miss Brooks has a little headache. I'm just massaging her temples. Oh, how humane of you. <laughs> Oh, there you go with your jokes, Miss Enright. <laughs> You're just loads of fun. Don't you think so, Miss Brooks? She's the biggest load I've ever seen. <laughs> well, Miss Brooks, I didn't expect to find you here. I just dropped in because I'm worn out from my morning classes. Sometimes I just don't know where I get the fuel to keep running. You didn't race your engine so much, your tank wouldn't get so low. <laughs> say, 
<laughs> that, that's a good one, too. You girls have a lot of fun with each other, don't you? <laughs> yes. Yes, we do enjoy our little fencing matches. When we're not too tuckered out from our work, that is. Oh, that English class of mine. Well, I must say, I don't know what's come over you women of today. You just don't seem to have the vitality and drive of our forebears. Now, take my Aunt Maddie, for example. She taught English, but she also taught mathematics, history, science, and Latin. Five subjects? Certainly. And then she'd go home and keep house for her husband and nine children. Nine children? What did she teach, night school? <laughs> you, you can jest if you want to. But if I found a woman like my Aunt Maddie, a, a woman who held the secret to diversified interests, I'd marry her tomorrow. If you'll excuse me now, I've got a million papers to correct. And I'd better be running along, too. I've got to empty several waste baskets. Hey, uh, but, but ladies, Goodbye, I... Goodbye, Mr. Boynton. See you later, nephew. Uh, what is it you wanted to see me about, Miss Brooks? It's my work here at school, Mr. Conklin. I was wondering if you could give me another subject or two to teach. Miss Brooks, have you been sniffing too much eraser dust? <laughs> no, sir. It's just that I'd like to diversify my interests. Another class would be a labor of love. Pardon me, Mr. Conklin. Oh, uh, hello, Miss Enright. Oh, Miss Brooks. What happened to those millions of papers you had to mark? I threw them in those wastebaskets you had to empty. <laughs> I'm uh, rather busy this morning, Miss Enright. What's on your mind? Well, Mr. Conklin, I've been thinking about my schedule here, and I've come to the conclusion that I could take on another subject. You too? But not two hours ago, you both complained about how rigorous your duties were. That was B.A.M., Mr. Conklin, before Aunt Mattie. <laughs> you might consider it strange, sir, but On I'm... the contrary, and it's an extremely fortuitous coincidence. I was planning to institute a course in business administration at Madison. My big problem, however, has been instructors. There are none available in this area. Uh, there are now. I mean, there is now. I'll take a shot at it. Yes, sir. You bet. Sure thing. <laughs> Not so fast, darling. Mr. Conklin, if you're interested in a business administration course, I'd like to point out that I've got a terrific background. That you don't have to point out. <laughs> Maybe you ought to sell your bicycle. Please, please, Miss Brooks, please. Tell me about your experience, Miss Enright. Well, before I came to Madison High as an English teacher, I assisted Papa in his business. Papa was the head of a big collection agency at the time. I assisted my Papa, too, Miss Enright. What did he do? He spent most of his time hiding from your papa. <laughs> Please, Mr. Conklin, I'll admit I'm not overly familiar with the principles of business administration, but I'll study it thoroughly in the next few days. Miss Brooks, business administration is a three-year course. How do you propose to learn it in a few short days? I'll only take a half hour for lunch. <laughs> I'm afraid you have none of the qualifications for this position, Miss Brooks. Once again, it looks like Miss Enright has the inside track. Well, all I can say is, don't bet too much on her nose. It might still be a photo finish. 
Water toothpaste. While it cleans your teeth. Colgate toothpaste. Cleans your breath. Water toothpaste. While it cleans your teeth. Colgate dental cream cleans your breath while it cleans your teeth. And the Colgate way stops tooth decay best. Yes, the Colgate way is the most thoroughly proved and accepted home method of oral hygiene known today. Over two years' research showed brushing teeth right after eating with Colgate dental cream helps stop more decay for more people than ever before reported in dentifrice history. The Colgate way stopped tooth decay best. No other dentifrice, ammoniated or not, offers such conclusive proof. And you should know that Colgate's, while not mentioned by name, was the only toothpaste used in the research on tooth decay recently reported in Reader's Digest. So always follow the Colgate way to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and stop tooth decay best. Brush your teeth with Colgate, Colgate Dental Cream, it cleans your breath. Water toothpaste, while it cleans your teeth. And the Colgate way stops tooth decay best. Well, Mr. Conklin seemed convinced that I didn't know a thing about business administration, and it looked like he was right. I had just about given up on the biggest deal of my life. 200 pounds of prime biology teacher. <laughs> when lunch period came, I must have looked pretty down in the mouth as I entered the school cafeteria. Get it up, Miss Brooks. Your chin is sweeping the floor. <laughs> oh, hello, Walter. I do feel a bit grim today. Well, suppose you sit down over here and tell our favorite pupil all about it. And that is... Unless you're waiting for Mr. Boynton. No, he had to go down to the biology supply house. They're having a sale on used guinea pigs or something. <laughs> it shouldn't make you this depressed. Gosh, you look like you're just about to bawl. What's the cause of it? Well, I spent about ten minutes in Mr. Conklin's office this morning. Say no more. Here's my hanky. <laughs> Mr. Conklin's the best cure I know for anybody who's got a slight case of cheerfulness. <laughs> Not so loud, Walter. His daughter's about to join us. Hello, Miss Brooks. Walter. Hello, Harriet. We were just chatting about your daddy. Yeah. Why isn't the old... Why isn't he in the cafeteria today? <laughs> I brought a sandwich to his office. He's calling the various oil companies to see if he can't beat the price raise. It seems fuel oil for our furnace at home has gone up three cents a gallon. Daddy has a big problem with oil every winter. We have a big problem with Daddy every winter. <laughs> anything about this, Harriet, but I've been hoping your father would appoint me as instructor in business administration. He did mention something about the course, Miss Brooks, but he hasn't said who's going to teach it, so you might as well keep hoping. I'm going to get myself some dessert. Can I bring you something, Miss Brooks? No, thanks, dear. I'm pretty full. I've been biting my lips all morning. Watch <laughs> out, Miss Brooks. Things could always be worse. See you later, Walter. Okay, pigeon. Now then, Miss Brooks... Give me your undivided attention. You've got it, Walter. While you and Harriet were yakking it up, I was thinking, if Mr. Conklin could get the oil he wants for his furnace not only three cents cheaper, but nine cents below the current price, and if this transaction was put over by you, he'd consider that you had a pretty good business head on your shoulders. Well, I guess he would be... Instead of thinking what he thinks now, that it's just a bunch of pretty auburn hair clinging to a vacant bulb. <laughs> Now, 
Now, just a minute, Walter. <laughs> Please, I'm not finished. It so happens that my dad has a good pal in the Ajax Oil Company, and we get all our fuel wholesale. Now, there's no reason why I can't get some for you to give to Mr. Conklin, thus helping you wrap up the job you want. Walter, I'd like to take this opportunity to apologize here and now for everything I've ever thought about you. This is a great idea. Thank you. Uh, we'll get the oil to Mr. Conklin's home right after school. But there's one question I'd like to ask you, Miss Brooks. Why are you so anxious to take on the added duties of another course? I can answer that in two simple words, Walter. Philip Boynton. <laughs> I'm glad you got home from school early today, Daddy. But why did we come down here to the basement? I wanted to show you our new furnace, Harriet. It was installed just ten minutes ago. But what's this pink ribbon tied on it for? And what's this card on top of it? It's a little surprise for your mother. Read the card, Harriet. Let's see. It says, To my loving wife, Martha. Happy Lincoln's birthday, darling. From your Osgood. You bought Mother a furnace for Lincoln's birthday? Nothing's too good for your mother, Harriet. <laughs> Besides, it's my way of making up for Christmas. I got the feeling that your mother was not too delighted with the gift she received from me at that time. I can't understand it. It was a lovely case of club soda. <laughs> but, Daddy, Mother was expecting a fur coat this winter. Then she should be doubly pleased. A furnace is even warmer than a fur coat. Especially this brand-new forced air furnace. It uses gas and a blower system, and all it requires is for me to flip open a vent and presto, any room I'm in is full of hot air. No comment, Daddy. Quiet with that oil drum, Walter. I don't want Mr. Conklin to know we're in his basement. Well, I still don't see why we didn't just roll the drum up to his front door. Because I want to surprise him. We'll pour the oil right into the furnace. Then, when he can't understand how he's getting heat without having bought any oil, I'll flash this bill from the Ajax company showing that I've beaten the current price by nine cents. I get it! And then when Mr. Conklin reacts according to plan, he'll put you in charge of the business administration course. Mr. Boynton will admire your energy and diversified talents. And before you know it, you'll be married and have nine children like his Aunt Maddie. Walter, have you been drinking this oil? <laughs> Uh, Miss Enright, your coming to my home on your own time to discuss our new business administration course has made quite an impression on me. Thank you, Mr. Conklin. But I've always been a firm believer in the old adage, don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. My sentiments exactly. Now, if you'll just give me your coat, we'll sit down in the living room and chat for a while. Oh, I think I'll keep my coat on, Mr. Conklin. I feel a bit chilly. Oh, as you wish. Mrs. Conklin is out shopping at the moment, but when she comes back, she'll fix a bit of tea for us. I can't wait to see her face when she discovers her gift. Oh? What did you buy for Mrs. Conklin? In honor of Lincoln's birthday, I bought her a brand new furnace. <laughs> I haven't used it as yet, but I think I'll turn it on right now. Yeah, oh, oh, excuse me, Miss Enright. I'll see who's at the door. 
Oh, oh, it's you, Miss Broke. Yes, sir. I came by to discuss that new teaching job. But I've just about decided on Miss Enright for that position, Miss Broke. Please, sir, what I have to tell you may change that decision. I'll just take a few moments of your time. Oh, very well, then. Come in. Come in. Now, uh, please be brief, Miss Brooks. Miss Enright and I have many matters to discuss. Yes, sir. Oh, hello, Miss Enright. Hello, Miss Brooks. Did you come by to show me what a good loser you are? I'll deal with you when you slither into school tomorrow. <laughs> right now, I've got some business with Mr. Conklin. You see, sir, I've always been a firm believer in the old adage, don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. A salty cliché, if I ever heard one. <laughs> Please come to the point. Yes, sir. Mr. Conklin, what would you say if I told you that I was going to put $8.95 into your pocket this minute? I'd say sit down, Miss Brooks. <laughs> Mr. Conklin, I'm going to put $8.95 into your pocket this minute. Sit down, Miss Brooks. Thank you. <laughs> now, in this transaction... Pardon me, but isn't it awfully chilly in here? For once, we're on the same side. It might be a very jolly thought to turn on your furnace, Mr. Conklin, and burn some nice, cheap oil. I don't have any oil in my furnace. However, if you ladies are cold, I should be happy Excuse to... Excuse me, Daddy, but I've got to talk to Miss Brooks privately right away. Will you kindly step out into the hall with me, Miss Brooks? Harriet, you know my house rules about disturbing adult conversations? It's terribly personal, Daddy, and it'll just take a second. Sounds important, Harriet. I'll be right back, Mr. Conklin. Meanwhile, I'm sure Miss Enright can regale you with some brilliant yakety-yak. It's happened, Miss Brooks. Daddy's done the worst possible thing that could happen. He signed on for another year at Madison High? <laughs> no, he bought Mother a furnace for a Lincoln's birthday gift. He must have gotten his rebate on the club soda bottles. You <laughs> don't understand. I just saw Walter Denton in the basement. He was washing his hands in the sink down there. Sounds like a reasonable place. <laughs> he told me you put oil in the furnace. That's right, to surprise your father. You'll surprise him, all right. He bought a gas-operated forced air furnace. <laughs> what? Oh, this is terrible. We've got to work fast, Harriet. You run down to the basement and tell Walter to get some tubing and siphon that oil out of the furnace at once. Okay, Miss Brooks. And you go on in and keep Daddy's mind occupied so he doesn't turn it on until I come back with the all clear. All right, Harriet. Now, for heaven's sakes, hurry. I'm dashing this minute. Good luck, Miss Brooks. I'll need it. Well, Miss Brooks, has my daughter concluded her personal business with you? Yes, sir. It was nothing, really. Uh, now, then, about this business transaction of yours. Boy, uh, it's sure hot in here. <laughs> hot? I'm terribly warm. Do your lips always turn blue when you're warm? <laughs> I'm still shivering, Mr. Conklin. Well, I've got high blood pressure, so I'm usually warmer than the average person, but I'll turn the heat up if you want me to, Miss Enright. No! <laughs> I mean, why turn on the heat? Too much heat isn't... isn't... <laughs> healthy. <laughs> Bless you, darling. I must have sat in a hot draft. <laughs> now, about the $8.95 I saved you, Mr. Conklin... Oh, excuse me one moment. I'm going to see if my new thermostat is accurate. I want everything to be just right when Mrs. Conklin comes home. First, I'll open the large vent in this wall. Now, we'll just set this thermostat for 76 degrees. That should get the furnace going rather quickly. Oh, it can't warm up quickly enough for me. 
It can for me. Excuse me, Mr. Conklin. Uh, where are you going, Miss Brooks? Into the coat closet. I have a roll of film that needs developing. <laughs> oh, stop that idiotic jabber, and let's get down to cases now. Perhaps we should set the thermostat up to 80 or so, then the furnace will really get going. Here, I'll do it. But, Miss Enright, It's all I... right, it's all right, Miss Brooks. I want to see how the new furnace reacts. Here, I'll turn it up to 85 degrees. <laughs> ah, yeah, now, now it's starting. Listen to the lovely sound of that nice hot air scurrying up the pipe. This entire room is full of oil. What will we do? Well, we could toss a giant salad. <laughs> but I guess the only practical suggestion is to clean it up. Something must have gone wrong when I... Holy cow! What are you people doing in here? Rehearsing for a minstrel show? <laughs> you guessed it, Walter. And I don't know about anybody else, but if the interlocutor will excuse me, I, for one, am going to pick up my tambourine and beat it. <laughs> Returns in just a moment. But first, men, does your face do a slow burn every time you shave? Then it's time you heard the good news about smoother, more comfortable shaves, the Palm Olive Shaving Cream Way. That's right, smoother, more comfortable shaves. And men, only Palm Olive, no other shaving cream, offers you real proof, not just promises, of smoother, more comfortable shaves. For the new Palm Olive Shaving Cream Way gets beards really soft. And it provides a protective film that actually floats your razor's cutting edge. Yes, even in cold or hard water, you get a clean, close shave every time. Super smooth, super comfortable. Over 2,500 men tested palm olive shaving creams thoroughly. They followed the simple directions on the tube. And no matter how they shaved before, three out of four reported beards easier to cut, less razor pull, more comfortable actually smoother shaves. Get palm olive shaving cream, lather or brushless. See if you don't get that super smooth, super comfortable, free and easy shave you've always wanted. You owe it to your face to try palm olive lather or brushless. Remember, only palm olive, no other shaving cream, offers you proof of smoother, more comfortable shaves. Now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, Walter Denton was just about to spill the beans to Mr. Conklin about my part in the great oil scandal, when luckily I managed to catch his eye. And through some magical current that seemed to flow between us, his lips were suddenly sealed. Then I took my knuckles out of his mouth, and we cleaned up the <laughs> After that, Walter took me home, and when we got to the door, he said, Gosh, Miss Brooks, do you think you may still get a crack at that business administration course? 
I don't know about the business, business administration, Walter, but if he finds out about today, it's a cinch. We'll both get the business. This is Burns Smith reminding you to tune in next week to another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Palm Olive Shave Cream for a smoother, more comfortable way to shave and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written by Al Lewis, with the music of Wilbur Hatch. Be sure to listen to Mr. and Mrs. North every Tuesday night on this same station and be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This program was transcribed. Stay tuned now for Jack Benny. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nero Wolf, followed by Phil Harris and Alice Faye. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.